Next time I'll memorize that song. <laughs> All right. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's say the words of our message for today. You have found favor with God. That's found in the message from the angel to Mary. You have found favor with God. Now, as you and I think of having favor with God, what comes to mind? Well, there's a lot of things, but things going well. If I, if I think I've found favor with God, I think that my life is just going well. I'm happy. I'm healthy. Good relationships. Being appreciated. Answered prayers. And a number of other things might come to mind if I think I've found favor with God. For David... It was God building a household for him, for the one that wanted to build a house or a place of worship for God. So God said, I know what's on your heart, but instead of you building a house, a place for me, I'm going to build a household for you, a line that will always be ruling over my people, God said. Forever. What an awesome promise. He had found favor with God. Mary also found favor with God. She would give birth to the one who is holy, the Son of God. They had found favor with God. But, you know, if we just look at life in the snapshot and say, I have favor with God today, does that always mean I'll experience that same kind of favor with God throughout my life? Absolutely not, right? We all know that. We know that after this good news that Mary received when she and Joseph, when she had her baby, Jesus, and she brought him to the temple and Simeon scooped him up and he spoke those words about Jesus, he also said this to Mary. Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Can you imagine hearing that when you're taking your baby in and then going all the way 30-some years later to seeing Jesus being crucified for us? A sword will pierce your own own soul as the sword was thrust or the spear into his side, blood and water flowed. When she was before getting married, can you think of the scandal she went through as she was in those small towns? Anybody part of a small town? Not right now, obviously. Bernie used to be small. And when you're in a small town, right, News travels everywhere, and everybody kind of has their opinions, and everybody knows everybody else's business. Okay? Wow. Can you think of what she went through? David, in hearing this great news of what God was going to do for David, was his life always easy? Did it always go just great? All of those relationships with his kids, he didn't know how to handle those very well, and so there was all sorts of problems with his kids. And then Absalom came at one point and said, I'm going to take over. And so David had to flee from his own throne. He had to flee for his life on account of his own son. He found favor with God. It doesn't feel like it now. And here we sit in the year of COVID, isolated. 
not being able to go and see the ones that we so love and do all the things that we wanted to do. We went to a wedding yesterday. Not nearly the amount of people that would normally be there. We're wearing our masks. We're staying distance. We're doing all these things. Elbow pumps instead of hugs. Okay? All of these things are going on because this doesn't feel like a year of the Lord's favor. So what is it talking about when it says the year of the Lord's favor? I'd, I'd like us to think about things a different way. It's not about how we see and experience life. The favor could be what we learned, what I learned about at the seminary a number of years ago, is that what God has given to us in his son, our Savior Jesus, he's given us three things. And so I want to share them with you and have you repeat them after me. He's given us identity. He's given us security. And he's given us meaning. Identity. Security. Meaning. Identity. Who is Mary? Mother of God. Mother of God. Have you thought about that? Mother of Jesus, Mother of God Almighty. She is the Mother of God. How many women are named Mary after this woman? What an identity to have. David, he's known as a man after God's own heart. Perfect? Sinless? Hardly. Just read and a little bit in those Old Testament books. Wow. Definitely not the case. Okay? But he's got this title, this way of being, a man after God's own heart. Remember I've shared with you before, Saul is one, the king before David, he would say, I did that wrong, it was your fault. He would always blame somebody else. And he was looking up for himself. David, when he did that wrong, what did he say? I have sinned against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. He would own it. How important for us to recognize that part of our lives is the sheep of God's of his hand, right, is that we own our sins and then the struggle for me, remember, is to live forgiven. Grew up in Minnesota, loved to go fishing. What we do up there is we would catch it and eat it. Okay? But there's some people around here that actually catch fish and what do they do? They release them, right? Catch and release. Well, isn't that what God does? He knows all about us He catches us in our sin so that we might repent. And then he what? He releases us as if we had never sinned. I asked a question this this last week in the devotion I sent out. And one of them, I said, what is forgiveness? And I loved one of our people, just a great lady. She might be watching today. If you are, love you. Great. Okay. But she wrote back, um, what is forgiveness? It's to be forgiven by Jesus. I'm like, well, yeah, that's right, but that's kind of cheating. You can't, like, describe something using the word that I've asked you to describe, okay? So what does it mean to forgive? What it means to forgive is to release, to set free, as though you had never done it. That's a really hard concept for us, isn't it? Isn't it? When someone sins against me, we tend to remember and remember and remember and remember when I do things wrong. I remember and remember and remember. I say, Pat, would you please forgive me for? And she says, yes. And then I ask her six more times to forgive me what she already forgave me for. We do that, don't we? Because it's really hard to think that God Almighty and other people could actually say, when I forgive you, it's gone. I've removed it. It's no longer to be found. What an identity we have. 
We found favor with God because of Jesus. The gift that we have in Christ in his incarnation when he went on the cross to die for us, he gave us a new name, child of God, forgiven child of God. Would you say what your identity is with me? Forgiven child of God. What an identity. Do you live in that identity? Sometimes, a little bit better or worse, okay? Yes, yes. And when you remind me, Pastor, yes, I do. But then when I really blow it, I have a hard time living that. When somebody really blows it against me, I have a real hard time living that. And isn't that great? Isn't it great that when we have that really hard time, we're reminded then of how desperately we need Jesus? Because it's just natural for us sinful human beings to try and do life on our own. We're kind of wired that way. Identity, who we are in Jesus. Now, what I want you to also think about with identity is to think of um, when he says here that to David, let me see if I can find that real quick. Jesus, a descendant of David, through Mary and Joseph. However, in Christ, Scripture says that one day in the new heavens and the new earth, we will live and reign with him. Your future is that you will live and reign with Jesus. You are a co-heir with Jesus, and you will live and reign with him. Do you ever just take time to think about that? I mean, instead of watching the news for the eighth time today with all the garbage that's on there instead of worrying about what you can't control do you ever just sit and think about life in view of eternity and that you will live and rule like Adam and Eve were supposed to in the garden before the fall that's your future doesn't that future overwhelm whatever we're dealing with right now And if it doesn't, we might have present temporal and eternity all the way to uh, what? The South Pole? Mixed up. We will live and reign with him because of who we are as his beloved children. Then the thing of being great, it said, God said to David that you will be great like one of the great ones of the earth. And I, I can't help to, but think of what is said here in Mark chapter 10. If you want to be great, Jesus says to his disciples, because they were trying to figure out who's the greatest. And Jesus said this, Jesus called them to him, to him and said, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you know what that means? We don't have to wait until someday when people remember us and say, look how great they were. Okay? Because you know what's really true? For the vast majority of us, 50 years after we die, no one will remember us. Isn't that true? Okay? Maybe even less than that. Okay, I don't have any kids. People, I mean, five years after I'm gone, no one will remember me. Okay? It's just wild. Okay? Isn't it cool? Isn't it really great? 
that we can be the great ones already today. We don't have to wait until someone remembers us. God says, when you live under me in my kingdom, when you love and serve other people, you are great. You're great. You're great, God says, my way. Even if the world will overlook you, you're great, my way. That's who you are in Christ. Is there anything somebody else can buy you this Christmas that will match what you have in Christ? And that's just your identity. Being secure. Can you think of all the thoughts, we talked about this before, all the thoughts people are having about Mary? Can you think of all the errors that David had? So it's from outside and from insides. Do you ever feel insecure? When I get done giving a message or leading a class, I'm like, oh no, did I do that right? Was that good enough? I'm there constantly. I've been doing this for a while now. I mean, you guys are used to me. Okay? And yet I'm still concerned because there's a bit of insecurity that I just can't seem to break out of. Do you have that? You ever deal with that insecurity? How are people seeing me? What do they think of me? Because sometimes it's, it's really too important what other people outside are saying. Sometimes it's too important what I myself inside am saying. That's why in that 1 Corinthians 4, when Paul says, I don't let other people judge me, I don't even judge myself. I might think I do everything right, but it's the Lord who judges me. And you know what? The Lord who judges me, the Lord who judges you, you know what he says about you? That you are completely holy and righteous and perfect in Christ. Secure in him. Whenever I ask you, was that good enough or did that make sense to you? You know what you should do? You should laugh and say, are you feeling insecure today? (laughs) You sure sound like it. You look insecure today. Are you trying to find your security from me, Pastor? Because I'm just another person. Why don't you find your security from Jesus? Wouldn't that be great? Because that would make me smile and laugh and be like, get over yourself and let's focus on Jesus again. All our eggs are in. Jesus is a basket, right? It's not about those other things. Our security is not whether you like me or not or whether I think I did great or not. My security is found in Jesus who loves and accepts you as you are and is ever working to transform you to his image. And when you live with that sense of security, guess what? You found favor with God. When you're living in that identity, when you're living in that security, what an awesome gift! You already have, and it's not even Christmas Day yet. And you can celebrate that gift every single day. The new phone won't work a couple years from now, but Jesus will. The new car will get a scratch on it, but Jesus won't. The new person you find in your life, the new puppy that you have, temporal. God's gifts forever. And meaning, this is so great. This part is the best. This part is my favorite, and you've heard it all before. Isn't that great? I just get to review with you on a weekly basis, okay? (laughs) What are the four words that we have for what life is all about? I'll give you the first one. You give me the next three. Creation. There's a second one. Fall. What now? Redemption and? Restoration. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. So God made everything. Adam and Eve blew it. 
Everything else is about redeeming. So God is redeeming, right? Redeeming grace, Lutheran church. He's redeeming us, buying us back from sin, death, and the power of the devil so that we might then look forward to one day being restored to that new Adam and Eve existence in that paradise. That's what it's all about. All of life is about that. Nothing you have in life, no relationships, nothing can compare with this, right? And so think about it. What was the meaning that David had? He was a part of God's plan. Can you imagine being chosen that from your line, the one who will rule over all things for all time will come from you? Can you imagine? To think that your grandchildren, your grandchild will change the world and that everyone in the world will be blessed through your family line. Wouldn't that be awesome? Mary, is she part of the plan? Better believe it. Child from the line of David, so was Joseph, from the line of David, and so their child would be that one promised. They found favor with God, being part of his plan in an awesome way. If you look at that text from Romans, it talks about that mystery, that mystery that's revealed. You know what? We're part of that plan too, aren't we? That message, that mystery of Christ in us who unifies Jew and Gentile, all the different, where all the different breakups in our world are, unifies us, and not only us, but us with those in heaven. Things on heaven and things on the earth are unified in Christ. And so we hear that message and we are unified. And then you know what God calls us to? He calls us to be reconcilers, to be ambassadors of reconciliation, to be those who not only have received the revelation, but reveal it to others. You did that with your kids. You've done that with your kids. You did that with children at your daycare. You've done that with others that you've met that you just engage in conversation with on the streets. You do it with others in your family. You've done that with people in the hospital. You did that with people at work. You've done that also with people at work. You do that with people who struggle as you love and support them. You do it over and over and over again, don't you? You're revealers. You reveal not just, hey, this is who I am, but this is who I am in Christ. This is who I am because of the security I have because of Jesus. And this is who God's made me so that my life is more meaningful than just living longer because of COVID. My life isn't meaningful because I have all the things that I want. Have you ever found, we did this little Bible study with Revelation, okay? And there's a question that he asks as we look at Revelation 4. There's got to be more than this, doesn't there? There's got to be more than this. Isn't there more than this? And we talked about three different areas when we say that question. Number one, when we're suffering. Number two, when we're waiting. And number three, when we have it all. And things seem to be going really well. Do you ever have it all and things are really going well and you ask, there's got to be more than this? Because we're made for eternity. We're made to live and dwell with Jesus. We're made to live out the favor we have with God, united with him and with one another to live forever in his presence. New heavens, new earth with Jesus. But you know, that plan isn't always our plan. So let me read two things for you and then we'll let you go. Well, we won't let you go, but we'll move on. You're stuck with me for at least a few more minutes. First one comes from Psalm 119. Now, 
We just never say this, okay? But listen to what it says. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your your promise to your servant. In your righteousness you have afflicted me, or faithfulness? It was good for me that I was afflicted? What? It reminds me of a conversation I had with Pastor Wolf Mueller up at St. Paul. Pastor Wolf Mueller had COVID. He's probably a little bit younger than I am. He had COVID, and when the COVID hit him, he had a temperature of between 100 and 103. Couldn't break it for a number of days. And then it affected him neurologically. He couldn't speak his name. He couldn't hold a pencil. He couldn't drive for eight weeks. It took him a while to get past the brain fog. We just spent time last night at the wedding where people up in Wisconsin who work with a pastor up there, he had the COVID, and he still says, and he's a young guy, 30? Around 30. And it hit him in such a way that he said, I still have brain fog even today. Certain things I should be able to remember that I can't. What Pastor Wolfmuller told me just this last week is he says, you know, we trust that if God wants me sick, I'll get sick. If God wants me healthy, I'll be healthy. I don't do stupid things. I don't do foolish things. But I trust that God knows what he's doing. And then secondly, he quoted this passage for me. From 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Three times, Paul says, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so he said, you know, in the middle of my COVID, I learned that my real strength comes from Jesus, not from my abilities and and all the different things I can do. And he's a very talented pastor. He's an incredible man. But he learned to find his strength apart from himself. He even said to me, I now rejoice in having had COVID. You see, God's plan and how I'm part of God's plan might be way different than what I want it to be. Right? You've already experienced that. You've gone through hardships. You've gone through things not going your way. And yet God still rules on the throne, right? And it's still better than anything else to know that we have found favor with God. Amen?